you've uh, ever taken a trip out west, you may have seen one of the best, worst roadside attractions in the great state of Kansas, Prairie Dog Town, okay? So for miles leading up, there's this place called Oakley, Kansas. It's, uh, it's about 2,000 people strong, so it's not known for much. But, uh, but it was for a long time, uh, maybe this was the thing it was known for, and that was Prairie Dog Town. Now, you see, you know, it's kind of like those, uh, was it Barbasol or whatever, the Burma shade? I don't know. You see them on the side of the road. It's kind of the same idea. Uh, you've, you've got uh, miles back. You see these signs. See the largest prairie dog in the world and how many miles to the entrance. And, and uh, then you've got five-legged live steer, uh, live rattlesnakes. Just so you know, anywhere in Kansas, you can see live rattlesnake. But uh, no, um, pet the baby pigs. Uh, you can do that around here. You can, anyway. Uh, Russian wild boar, five-legged cow. Uh, you've got 8,000-pound uh, uh, prairie dog. I mean, it's pretty, big. Uh, there's a six-legged steer. I mean, it's, it's a big deal. You've got, we've got, uh, and you've got these signs all along. The, the miniature donkey, I think, was, was, was built, and of course, uh, so everywhere along the way, you've got these these different uh, signs telling you that it's that it's coming. You need to get ready for it. You're you're uh, in, it's trying to entice you to get off the highway. Now it's it's about three fourths. If you're on I seventy heading uh, that way, uh, you're about three fourths of the way through the state, and you would be enticed to maybe stop. Um, I saw those signs for years when we were driving the, uh, the the roads of Kansas when we lived out there uh, for a while, and and uh, in a moment of weakness, uh, as we were heading to to uh, uh, to summer camp one time, van full of kids, pulling a trailer. Um, it must have been time for a for a, a rest stop of some sort. And we're we're heading out. We're several miles into our journey, or several hours into our journey. And I decided this is the time. This is the place. We're going to stop. And so we did. Go ahead to the next one. Uh, this is what we encountered. Uh, yeah, I know. Okay. Cover your eyes if you have a weak stomach. But um, uh, so we walk into this place, and uh, it's got uh, um, it's kind of I mean it kind of smelled a little bit and kind of dirty, and uh, and you got a counter, and then you got kind of these weird things all over. The, you know, you could buy snacks, and and uh, then you've got I guess you'd call them oddities, maybe, or uh, you had a whole wall of these taxidermied animals, uh, including the elusive jackalope. I don't know if you've ever caught one of those before, but um, they had them there, so they must be indigenous to the area. Um, uh, anyway, we, uh, I mean, I, I forget how much they, they wanted to charge, so you could get into that, the little gift shop, uh, to, uh, to buy all things Prairie Dog Town, but uh, then, then they, they charged you a fee, uh, to, you had to buy a ticket to go through the, the door in the back and get out into Prairie Dog Town. Now, we had a van full of kids, and this was, you know, I, I forget how much they charged, but it was more than what I wanted to spend on an ironic joke trip to uh, Prairie Dog Town. So we did not spend that, uh, that there, but instead we, we kind of peeked through the, uh, the and around the, the, the wall and through the, through the cracks, and, and um, there, were, uh, there were enclosures with those odd rare, go ahead to the next picture. So you had the little prairie dogs, cute, right? But then you've got like a a cow with extra legs, one's on it. So again, cover your eyes if you have a weak stomach. But these things actually existed and they were there and they were alive. And, and, and what, from what I've read, they've actually like, when they do pass away, uh, they've sold several of their animals to uh, Ripley's, believe it or not, and, and taxidermied and whatever. So anyway, it's, we saw all this through the, through the cracks in the fence. And again, sorry, I know you're planning a trip, but uh, I believe it's closed. 
uh, at this point, they, they, they retired, I guess. But, um, but, but you did also, as we looked through the cracks, we could see the main attraction, the largest 8,000-pound prairie dog. There it is. Paid money. People would pay money. There are pictures on the internet of people standing next to this thing, which means they paid the ticket to get uh, in through, through, through the thing. So 20 feet high, uh, made of concrete, doesn't even really look like a prairie dog. Uh, it's, uh, they do have the plywood up so that people driving along the highway don't, you know, can't look in and see it uh, because it's such a, a wonderful attraction. So prairie dog town. Uh, It it didn't quite live up to its billing. We knew miles away that it was coming. These signs all along the road encouraged us to pull off and to experience Prairie Dog Town. But when we got there, it was less than what was promised. The anticipation we may have had... I'm probably overstating it a little bit, but the, the anticipation that we may have had, the hope that, uh, that, that, that might have been in our minds pulling into that parking lot were, were unfounded, to say the least. It was just a cheap tourist trap. And, um, and it, for some reason, that's where my mind went uh, when I was thinking about the, uh, the passage that we'll look at today and, and Advent. Advent means coming. It's a season for anticipation and hope. It spans the four Sundays before Christmas, so we're in the first of those four Sundays. And and at this time, through this season, we anticipate the celebration of Jesus coming at Christmas, and we also anticipate that he is coming again. During these weeks, we're we're focused on both of those things at the same time. Usually, uh, we aim toward the celebration of Christmas a whole lot more than we think about the fact that, okay, Jesus came, and and that was great, but he said he's coming back, and we also celebrate that too. We're not just looking backwards, but we're looking ahead and anticipating his return. Uh, so so uh, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, we're in this season anticipating Jesus coming again, kind of like the folks in the Old Testament, uh, the people of God were anticipating the coming of the Messiah the first time. Uh, so throughout the Old Testament, there are prophecies about the Messiah coming, which was Jesus. And, and uh, in Isaiah uh, 7, 14, uh, the prophecy was that he would be born of a virgin. In, uh, in uh, the prophet uh, Micah, he told that, that he would be born in Bethlehem, and sure, enough that's what happened uh, Hosea 11 talks about Jesus coming out of Egypt and if you remember the story uh, uh, Jesus and, and Mary and Joseph had to flee to Egypt to escape uh, Herod and and uh, and, and so uh, Hosea talks about how that was going to happen Isaiah 11 talked about his family line and that he would come from uh, 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 from the uh, from Jesse and um, through that line of, of, of people over and over and over again there were signs pointing to Jesus coming throughout the Old Testament Unfortunately, most of Jesus' contemporaries uh, didn't recognize him when he came. So despite all these signs, and they're anticipating and looking forward to him coming, John chapter 1, verses 9 through 11 says this, The true light that gives light, uh, was, was coming into, that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. So they had these signs all along the way, 
They were, in, they, they, they were looking ahead to someone, uh, the Messiah coming. We look back now and we can see that it's obvious that those signs all pointed to Jesus, but at that time they, they didn't recognize it. It was kind of like seeing the signs for Prairie Dog Town, but never stopping to experience it. Ah, well. I hope that that's not the case for us today in, in these days. I hope that, that we can see the signs of Jesus' return and, and we wait expectantly for him. But unlike my experience in western Kansas, when Christ returns, we will not be uh, feel duped or be disappointed uh, because uh, just like he came the first time, uh, the experience that when Jesus comes again will be beyond all expectations. There's several passage, passages in the Bible where... where um, uh, it describes these signs of Jesus' return. Uh, and, and if you have your book and you've done your reading for the day, you know that, uh, that our passage for today is from Luke chapter 21 uh, and verses 25 through 36. And actually that whole chapter uh, spells out a whole lot of stuff of, uh, of what's going to happen uh, when Christ comes again. So starting in verse, uh, verse 25 of Luke 21, it says this, There will be signs. In the sun, moon, and stars, on the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. He told them this parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And that day will, be, will close on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen. And that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus uses the illustration of a fig tree here. Summer is coming when the fig tree begins to sprout leaves. And that would be, in that setting there, that would be good news for people who were dependent on growing their own food, right? Uh, the end of winter would mark great news that crops would once again begin to grow and, and they would, would uh, bear fruit and they would be able to provide uh, sustenance for, for another year. I think we can, we can still relate to that uh, sentiment around here as well. I mean, when summer coming is always good news. You know, about June when the snow uh, kind of dissipates and we... Well, maybe a little earlier than that, I hope. But this text isn't just about a fig tree or the hopeful anticipation of summer. It's about the signs that indicate the coming of Christ. When it feels like your stores are depleted, when it feels like you can't make it anymore, there is good news, the Messiah is coming. And as we, as we sit in this season of Advent, we are reminded again that the trees are beginning to bud and that the Messiah is indeed coming again. So, like that fig tree, what, what are the signs? What, what's, what's, he says there's going to be these signs of these things happening. Well, we, in the little passage that we read there, it talks about weird stuff with the sun, the moon, and the stars. 
It talks about nations being in uproar. It talks about crazy stuff with the oceans. Um, so all these natural kind of things uh, going on. Earlier in the same passage in, in Luke 21, Jesus is also talks, talking about wars and earthquakes and famine and disease and persecution. I mean, it seems like some pretty unpleasant, scary stuff. So it raises a question in my head. Should we really be anticipating Jesus coming again or should we be dreading <laughs> Jesus coming again. Verse 35 here says that, that, uh, that this will impact every person on the face of the planet. Verse 26 says that people will faint from terror when it all happens. But verse 28 says that we should stand up and lift our heads high, anticipating it coming. So what's the difference? Why would some be terrified while others are stepping forward to embrace it? I think the answer lies on, it. well, it all depends on if you're ready or not. I don't know that Jesus plays hide-and-seek, but I think this passage is his way of saying, ready or not, here I come. Imagine getting a, a phone call from, uh, from your cousin that you haven't seen in years, and uh, maybe calls like in August, and, and says, hey, we'd like to see you guys. Uh, we're coming uh, from, from uh, you know, out of town and, and out of state, but we're coming, and, uh, and, and we'd love to come for Christmas. And you say, sure, bring the whole family, and you know that that's quite a commitment, because he's got like four kids, and, and it's, a, it's a big deal, but, but you, you find out, and so you begin to make preparations, and, and so, so as Christmas gets closer, you're planning for where, who's going to sleep where and what you're going to eat and doing all the sorts of things and and it's a it, it's a, it's a wonderful thing as you're preparing for their visit keep that now compare that to what if you uh got up on christmas morning and uh you were just planning on a nice quiet family gathering there around the tree and you began to open presents and the doorbell rang and your cousin with his wife and four kids were standing on the front stoop and they said, surprise, we're here, let's, uh, let's celebrate together. And there would be a little, uh, those two scenarios are completely different, right? You would, you would be like, oh, great, good, it's, yeah. let's celebrate together. There, there's a whole different, I, I think most of us would agree that, that we would rather be prepared for a visitor than be caught off guard by someone's arrival. And that's really what passages like this are all about. Jesus isn't trying to scare us, but to prepare us. And I love that. And I know that I read that somewhere, and I'm sure I've even preached it before, uh, that, that, that Jesus uh, isn't trying to scare us, but to prepare us. I mean, he told us that he was coming back someday. That's part of our, our worldview. It's part of, uh, as, as we step into what it means to follow Christ with our lives, we know that he came, we know that he died on the cross, that he rose from the dead, he paid the penalty for our sin, and we commit ourselves to him knowing that at some point he's coming back and, uh, and, and, and things are going to be different for all eternity and Jesus is going to redeem and restore and uh, we'll, we'll get into a lot of that he, he promises that it's John chapter 14 uh, he says there's 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 more than enough room in my father's home if this were not so would I have told you that I'm going to pre prepare a place for you when everything is ready he says I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Acts chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. Um, Jesus ascends into heaven and, and the disciples are gathered around and they're looking up into heaven. It says that they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus has, who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go. 
into heaven. That's just two passages of, uh, that, that, that tell us that Jesus is coming again. So during Advent, we, we not only celebrate the fact that Jesus came, but we're anticipating his coming again. We're getting ready. He told us ahead of time so that we can be ready. We talked up here with the kids a little bit about, about getting ready for and anticipating Christmas. I mean, we, we know that and we get ready for Christmas in a whole lot of ways. Some of you uh, have already done most of your shopping and, and you've uh, done your, your decorating and, and you're getting ready to do your baking and, and um, all those sorts of things. We've got I mean, we have parades and, and uh, uh, family get-togethers, and we've got, I mean, we've got a party this week here at church, and, and uh, we're, we're, we're lighting candles, and, and we're doing all, I mean, you're, you're watching Hallmark movies, right? And, uh, well, you see one, you've seen, I think that's true, that, if there was ever a time when the saying is true, you've seen one, you've seen them all, it would be Hallmark movies, but it doesn't stop us from watching them, so... Um, I mean, we had fireworks here a couple weeks ago, right? We're, we, we bring it in in style here in Medina. We are, we are getting ready for Christmas in a whole lot of ways. And all that is great. Uh, it, it's how we celebrate, but I want us to make sure that we keep it all in perspective because Christmas is about Jesus. And a whole lot of times we can get distracted on, on a lot of the stuff of Christmas and miss out on, on the center of Christmas. So getting ready for Christmas means more than just putting up a manger scene or having the, the biggest light display on the block. Uh, being ready for Jesus lasts longer than a season, and it's more than just having a party to honor a baby. Uh, that baby grew up, never sinned, spoke truth like no other, was, was hung on a cross, took on himself the sins of the world, died and was buried, came to life again, ascended into heaven, and he has promised to return someday to make everything right as he ushers in his kingdom. And that is what we should be getting ready for in our hearts, not just during four weeks at Christmas, but every day of our lives. There are signs. And, and maybe this is the elephant in the room this morning. Uh, maybe you've thought this. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But all these signs that Jesus talks about, they've been happening for a long time, like ever since he said them, right? I, I mean, every generation <laughs> since Jesus uh, ascended into heaven has experienced these things, natural disasters and, and wars and diseases, and, and, and every generation has wondered if now is the time. There are those who could say, yeah, but it's worse now. Well, it might be, and maybe you're right. I can point to a whole lot of times in history when it was also really bad, and people were saying, it's going to be tomorrow. And it might have been, but it wasn't, I hope, right? Here we are, right? Here's what I wonder. I just, just thinking. Not, not Bible, just Pete. I just wonder. Does Jesus give us these signs that, that are pretty common, these things that happen because we live on this planet? The, the, does Jesus give us these signs so that we'll always be ready? There's earthquakes, there's, uh, the, the world is, you know, getting, getting worse. Uh, there are wars. There are rumors of wars. There's, there's disease. There's persecution. There's famine. There's, there's all these things. Could it be, as we point to those, uh, there's another sign. I better get ready. Maybe it's five miles down the road. Maybe it's two miles down the road. Maybe it's a hundred miles down the road. But, but there are signs along the way to show us, to tell us, hey, we've got to be ready. 
I don't know when. Jesus said he didn't know when. (laughs) We won't know when. So we've got to be ready. I think it's important for us to, to, well, what is this being ready? What what are we we getting ready for? A couple of things come out of this passage, I think. The first is that the day of the Lord, this end time, the day of the Lord is a day of judgment. And we need to be ready for that. We can relate to that. We want justice in the world. When when, when we see people doing wrong, we want them brought to justice, right? We have have, uh, laws and systems and and courts and prisons and all sorts of things in our human attempts to uphold justice in the world. At the same time, we secretly know that we're not perfect ourselves. As it says in in the Bible in Romans chapter 3, it says, everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glory. As one of my seminary professors said, it's the falling shorts that trip you up. I uh, get it? Yeah? Yeah? Is Sean here? Sean's, Sean, that's Sean's favorite, favorite joke. Oh, anyway. We've all sinned. We all fall short of perfection. We fall short of God's glory. Sin separates us from God, and we've all sinned. The Bible says when Jesus returns, he's going to judge the world. In other words, Jesus is going to determine right from wrong, good from evil, and evil will be punished. Several passages go into into great depth and and some some pretty far out descriptions of what those days are going to be like. There's going to be punishment and and people who have, and there's, if you read through the book of Revelation or some of the prophecies in in Daniel or Ezekiel and you've got visions of, it's just, it's some pretty far out stuff. But it it says that that people who have not repented of their sins will ultimately be cast into the lake of fire where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. I think that's how you say that, right? Gnashing? Is that it? No, Nash. I don't know how to gnash my teeth, but I don't want to do it, right? We want to avoid that. But it, but it says that, that there's going to be judgment. Jesus is going to make everything. I mean, it's, it's, it's scary stuff. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 30 and 31, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Ugh. Thanks, pastor. I needed that encouragement today. Appreciate that. Dreadful. It says it's dreadful to fall into the hands of the living God. So how could we possibly think we could be ready for that? I mean, it says that we're, I would think that we're going to be shaking in our boots. It does say that some will faint from terror. But verse 28 there in Luke 21 says that we should stand up and lift our heads when we see these signs of Jesus' return. We should embrace the day. It's this, it's this. I've been kind of coward and hiding. Oh, but now he's coming. I'm going to step forward and step in and welcome him. I read through all that judgment stuff, and it seems like we should cover up even more. This says we need to step toward it to embrace the day, not to hide and cower in fear and dread. Why is that? Well, it's also a day, not just a day of judgment, but a day of redemption. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift your heads. Why? Because... Your redemption is drawing near. Key, key concept. Redemption in scripture is all about buying back something that had been lost. Maybe you've heard the story about the, the pastor who was walking through a small town where he served and kid was walking through and he noticed this, this, this kid had a, an old beat up birdcage. 
And as he got closer and met up with the boy, he knew him, and, uh, and, and uh, he said, well, what you got there, son? And he said, oh, I just got some old birds, just some old field birds, he said. And they were just, you know, little sparrows, and they were just kind of hanging out in the cage, not sure what. And so the pastor said, well, what are you, you going to do with those birds? And he says, oh, I'm going to have some fun with them. And he said, well, fun, with, what, what do you mean you're going to have fun with him? And he's, oh, I'm going to tease them. I'm going to pull out their feathers. I'm going to poke them with a stick. I'm going to make them fight each other. I'm going to have fun with them. And that pastor said, well, you're going to get tired of that, though, at some point, son, aren't you? So uh, what are you going to do with them after that? And he says, oh, I've got some cats. My cats love birds, he says. Pastor said, well, son, um, what would you take for that, that cage and those birds? And the boy was surprised. What do you want with some old birds? He said, never mind that. What, 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 would, you, what would you take? And the boy thought about it and thought about the, uh, the hugest sum that, that he could think of. And he said, Pastor, give me 10 bucks and it's yours. Sure enough, Pastor got out a, a $10 bill and gave it to him and got the cage. And the boy took off and pastor picked up that cage and he carried it over under a tree and uh, in the grass and he set it down and he opened that, uh, opened that uh, cage door and he gently nudged the, uh, the cage and the birds got out and flew away. They were free again. That is a picture, one picture, of redemption bought to be set free. We've all sinned. The, the price for sin is death. Not just physical death, but eternal spiritual punishment. Sin is a big deal. We should indeed be scared to death that Jesus is coming back to judge the world. Except that the price has already been paid for our sin. The penalty for sin has been provided. Jesus himself stepped out of heaven on that first Christmas to become like us so he could buy us back from the clutches of sin and death and set us free. And so if we believe in him, if we, if we put our trust and hope in him, we can stand up and step toward the Savior who is coming to make everything right because our redemption which began in a manger in Bethlehem and, and, uh, and, and continued through Calvary on a cross and continued through an empty grave and continues even now, this redemption that we're beginning to try to live in as we commit our lives to God, this redemption will be completed someday and we look forward with amazing anticipation toward that time. We put our trust and our hope and our faith in God and we step toward our Savior who is coming to make everything right. So how do we make sure that we're ready? What, what is it that we can do today knowing the signs are here, knowing that, uh, that, that, that it's coming, uh, knowing that Jesus will come back today and uh, 10 minutes from now it's closer than now and uh, two weeks from now it's closer than today. Uh, it, it's, it's coming. Jesus is coming. How can we make sure that we're anticipating and not dreading that day? The first thing just comes in and the most important thing is knowing Jesus having a relationship with Jesus. Jesus talks specifically to his close followers here. He's, he's gathered them around. They're, they're, they're coming out of the temple and they're asking about the destruction of the temple and Jesus is talking not only about that event but also about the end times and, 
and he's, he's talking to them and sharing with them and, and, and he knew them and they knew him and they'd spent time together and they trusted each other and these were the people that Jesus said could embrace his return to step up and step out and embrace his coming again. If we're going to be ready for Jesus' return, we have to have a relationship with him. That's, that's the number one thing. Jesus says elsewhere that, that on that day when he comes, uh, when he judges between good and evil, right and wrong, there are going to be some people who come before him and he says, depart from me, I never knew you. The thing that hinges on whether we're staying with God for all eternity or not is whether he knows us and we know him. Knowing Jesus is essential. That means we commit ourselves to him. We ask him to forgive our sins, to to redeem us, to apply his death on the cross to our sin. Knowing Jesus is a vital part of getting ready for his coming again. In this passage, verse 34, it tells us to be careful. Another thing we need to do as we're living our lives, we need to live carefully. We need to, uh, verse 35 tells us to watch and pray. Uh, the image there of keeping watch is, uh, is the image of a soldier standing at his post through the hours, the long hours of the night, diligently looking toward what's coming. We need to know that there are things that can draw us away from God, and we need to be watching for them in order to avoid them. Uh, Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11, since everything here today might well be gone tomorrow, do you see how essential it is to live a holy life? That's, that's what Jesus is talking about here when he says to be careful. Uh, I, another way to look at it maybe is the opposite. Don't live carelessly. He uses the imagery of carousing and drunkenness. I mean, that's, that's care, living carelessly, right? Uh, the, wandering through life, uh, clueless to what's coming next except right, what's right here in the moment. Jesus says if we're going to be ready and anticipate with, uh, with joy his coming, we need to be careful, It also says, he says, that we can be confident. Uh, Verse 34 talks about anxiety, that that people have anxiety and and fear about this, but but we don't have to worry about all this. We can be confident, we can trust our Savior, because he is coming to put everything right. Again, that passage in 2 Peter 3, it says, daily expect the day of God, eager for its arrival. The galaxies, it it seems a little eager for its arrival. What's it going to be like? Well, the galaxies are going to burn up, you know, elements are going to melt away, you know, just little stuff like that. But it says we'll hardly notice. Why? Because we're looking the other way, ready for the promised new heavens and the promised new earth, all landscaped with righteousness. I think that's the challenge for us throughout this Advent season. Maybe throughout our lives, daily expect the day of God eager for its return. So is that how you're living today? As if Jesus were coming any minute and you're ready. Are you ready? It's kind of where the rubber meets the road, the bottom line. Are you ready? Or are there some things, if Jesus was to walk in that door to, to, to split the sky, to come across the horizon right now in this moment, would you be cowering in fear or would you be standing up and lifting up your head and embracing his return because your redemption is drawing near? Are you, I mean, the signs are all here. He promised that he would come. It's not that it's not going to happen. He's redeeming the world. He's going to make everything right. Are you 
ready. I um, can't preach a message like that without giving you a chance to talk to God about it. We can't just walk out of here and say, eh, yeah, I might be, I'm not sure. Our redemption began so long ago when, when God saw us still in our sin through eyes of love and grace and did not, does not treat us as our sins deserve but instead sent his son, Jesus, as a baby, born in a manger, to become like us, limiting himself to one time and one place, to identify with us, to represent us, and to step into death for us. A redemption draws near. It's, it's here, and it's still coming. We're starting to experience it. We catch a glimpse of it. We can sense his joy and his peace and his presence and, and all the things that, that, that come when, when we live for the spirit. It, it's coming. It's, it's started. It's, it's, but when Christ comes back, he fulfill, will fulfill all of that. And we want to be living into that redemption and stepping toward its fulfillment. And so I wonder as we... It, it, a great thing would be if you ask that question, am I ready, and you've got that in your heart that you're probably not, <laughs> do something about it. <laughs> the answer is there. Commit yourself to him. Say, man, I don't want to live this anymore. That's why churches have these things here. It's a great place to pray and get things settled. You are invited to get ready, to be ready, maybe to celebrate that you are ready because your redemption is drawing near. Father God, we thank you for <laughs> your promised return. We thank you that you came once and that you're coming again. We celebrate in our redemption. Lord, even in these quiet moments, I pray that your spirit would speak to our souls to either confirm and encourage us, yes, you're on track, or we need to do some work today. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to be obedient to whatever your spirit tells us today. Father God, what a, what a promise that you are coming again. <laughs> Thank you for coming the first time. Thank you for the gift of Jesus, for the celebrations that have already begun during this season. Thank you for the joy that we can have because of Christ in our lives. But Lord, I pray that there wouldn't be anything that would, would distract us from making sure that we're ready for when you come again. Lord, I pray that, that, that all across this room that we can truly, truly step into the redemption that you have provided for us, that we can uh, commit ourselves to you, that we can ask for your forgiveness of our sins, that we know that when we walk from this place today, we start with a, with a clean slate and that your grace is enough for us, that your love has extended even to us, and that you love us completely and that you want to enable us to know you more every day, to live carefully and, and to live holy lives to be confident in our faith, knowing that you are God and you are good and you have our best interest at heart and you are bringing about your will in our lives and in the world. Lord, we go rejoicing in who you are and what
what you have done, what you are doing, and what you are going to do. We give you praise and we thank you for the hope that is ours because of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.